0: Hello everyone, I'm Carrie, pelvic physiotherapist and owner of A Body in Motion Rehab, and I want to welcome you to Tales from the Floor. You are about to embark on an eye opening journey with myself and my pelvic team as we introduce you to your pelvic floor and the floors that we visit on a regular basis. We are going to take all those difficult to discuss topics and with an upbeat and raw truth, we're going to leave you feeling empowered educated, and ready to tell your own pelvic tales. This podcast is for everyone, all genders, all ages, all stages. No more whispering. It's time to talk Tales from the Floor. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tales from the Floor. I'm so excited. It's our premiere episode. Number one. As we said, we're taking on a journey, an eight-week journey, and we are going to introduce you to some really fabulous information. I am super excited about this. I am being joined by my pelvic crew, who I will introduce you to. Or Actually, I'm going to let them all introduce themselves to you. Seated here, we have over 20 plus years of combined experience, and that is a lot, a lot of brain info that we're going to pass along to you. We're going to ask questions, we're going to provide answers, we're going to tell you certain tales that we've come across, and we're going to let you know how we dealt with those tales, and hopefully we're going to educate you along the way so that you can learn what you can do if you are experiencing any of these symptoms, signs, or the things that we talk about. So on tonight's episode, you are going to meet my team. We're going to talk a little bit about what pelvic physiotherapy is, what we do, what you can expect when you come to our office for the first time. Um, some common myths, misconceptions about pelvic physio, and we're just going to start our journey. So I want to welcome you to tonight's episode. I'm going to start with a little introduction about myself. My name is Carrie. I am a pelvic physiotherapist and the extremely proud owner of Body in Motion Rehab. We are a collective group of pelvic physios that work together daily to collaborate when we see our clients, and I'm so proud of the team that I have. Um, I have been a physiotherapist for a long time, a lot longer than the girls. Maybe actually the combined amount of time that my team has. <laughs> um, and I've been in the pelvic world for almost 14 years, so it's a place that I love. It is my passion. I have vowed to change the world one pelvis at a time. Yeah, so I'm really excited about this. So I am so excited to have you all. Thank you so much for joining in on this journey with me. I just I'm gonna I'm gonna call you out. Guys, and I'm going to have you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I'm going to start with Laura. Hi, Laura. Hi.
1: Hi, everyone. My name's Laura. I'm super excited to be here and be part of this team. We have a great team. So this is going to be an awesome podcast. Um, I've been a physio for almost three years, so still pretty new to the game. And I actually fell in love with pelvic physio when I was in physiotherapy school. I was on a bit of my own journey with my own personal pelvic symptoms, and it helped me so much. And so that's what made me decide to pursue this as a career. And I love my job, and I love getting to come to work every day and help people
0: fix their own pelvic problems. Okay, awesome. And so how about you, Nadia? So my name is Nadia. Hello, everyone.
2: I'm super excited about this podcast because I love hanging out with you guys every day at work. So it's obvious that you know (laughs) doing a podcast would be even better. Um, I've been a pelvic floor physiotherapist for oh my gosh, it's been two and a half years now. So I've almost like I've worked as a physiotherapist for five years in total. Um, And to be honest, my passion came later. Um, about one year after I started um, orthopedic physio and I was just seeing like a lot of pregnant patients and a lot of individuals that were talking about um, their pain in their pelvis. And so I just started to gain a little bit of interest that way. And uh, I mentored with Carrie, which was awesome. And that kind of uh, piqued my interest a little bit more. And then I decided to take some courses and it actually just made me wanna kind of go full force into this. So I'm really excited to share some of my knowledge and some of the stories that I have with uh, some of the patients that I've treated. So yeah, Thanks, Mm -hmm.
3: Nods, Melissa. Hi everyone, I'm Melissa. Um, I'm super excited to be doing this podcast with all of you. Um, I have been a physiotherapist for the last four years and really just specializing in pelvic health in the last two. Um, and I didn't really know that pelvic floor physio even existed until I got into this career. So, um, now really I can't imagine myself
0: doing anything else. Thanks. Yay. (laughs) Awesome. And Helena.
4: Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Helena. Um, So I guess I'm kind of like the newbie to (laughs) pelvic physio (laughs) in this group of ladies. Um, Just like Laura, I've been a physio almost three years now. Um, But just this year, I started with pelvic physio. Um, and so far I love it. Uh, I knew that this is what I wanted to get in just like Laura learning about it in school. I was shocked. I like many people didn't know that physiotherapists even you know talk about this let alone treat this issue so I was very intrigued that I can be part of the solution so I'm very happy that I'm working with all these fabulous women here and especially Mm -hmm. Carrie to kind of help me along the way so I'm very happy to be here today.
0: (laughs) Yay! Okay, that's awesome. So that's that's my crew. These are um, these are my 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 comrades, my collaborators, um, the the women that I admire most. And so I'm so excited to bring this dream to life and have this podcast and and do it with all of them. So. Um, what's going to happen is you'll have we'll have eight episodes that will take place and each episode is going to bring to light a different pelvic health um either condition um symptoms signs something along the way and we're gonna we're gonna talk about it we're gonna put some information out there we're gonna go next level and give you actual hands-on information things that we've seen um the five of us are on a journey as well and so we're learning along the way um, we're working very hard to be very inclusive in this podcast. We want everyone to feel welcome. Um, as it said in the intro, all genders, all ages, all stages. Um, if there's something that happens in that podcast, in this podcast, um, that we, there's an, there was a way that we could have better supported you, whether it's our use of language, those types of things, we are all learning. So we're happy to um, have you share that with us if there's any way that we can make things better. Just wanted to put that out there before we got started. Um, so we're gonna get started. So tonight's all about um pelvic physiotherapy and what is it? Um, one of the most common questions, and I think the ladies will agree with me. Um, and it's not really ever a full sentence, it's really just a you do what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and with, with this look of of I'm not sure exactly what the look is, I haven't figured it out yet. Sometimes I think it's shock. And sometimes I think it's like, ew. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Would you guys agree? Like, I feel like that's a common sort of, why would yeah. you ever do this? 100%. <laughs>
2: right? I so, you could ask that every day, probably. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, by, by,
4: by patients
2: a lot as well. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think patients are often like, I feel bad for you. And I'm like,
0: well, I love my job. <laughs> <laughs> I actually say that. And I'm like, um. Yeah. Just out, don't feel bad for me. Yeah. It's funny. I've been to the dentist a couple of times and I'm like, I really don't know how you do this working in people's mouths. And my dentist is like this from the woman who works in vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess that's a little different, but but I always come back with, you know what? The people that come to see me, they work really hard on making sure that all that I'm going to see is super clean. And sometimes you see teeth that aren't that clean. <laughs> So that usually gets a giggle. Um, Yeah. So why do we do this? Why do we do this? I do this because um, I feel like I'm taking a treatment or treatment in general, physiotherapy, and I get to go to that next level. I feel really inspired by the fact that I'm able to treat something that we really can't see. And I always go back to this conversation about if I was going to look at your knee. So if you were coming in for orthopedic physio and I was going to look at your knee, I wouldn't do that through your jeans, and so if I want to tell you about your pelvic floor muscles, I have to get to those muscles. And actually, maybe we should talk a little bit about that, guys. Like, what, what does that mean? How do we, you know, the, the internal is kind of the, the ever, you know, the, the, the worry or, or you, people come into my office and I know they hear nothing. They're sitting there waiting for me to talk about what's going to happen here. Mm-hmm. And um, our we have a great. We have to shout out, woo- woo our admin staff because they give great explanations of what a patient can expect. But let's kind of dive in and let people know what they can expect when they come. i
4: always I always start off Carrie by telling everyone, don't worry, it's much easier and better than getting a pop. and at the end end, they always agree. they're like you know what that was so much better (laughs) I think
1: I would have to say like a hundred percent of the time patients are always like that was not as bad as I thought it was going to be like I think it gets really amped up in their head and then it turns out to be not nearly what they were thinking
3: Yeah, yeah I think so many people come in so nervous for their first appointment and then by the end of it they're so relaxed, so happy they came, mm-hmm. so comfortable. and So relieved, I think relieved that yes, it wasn't relieved. what they had created in their head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the next appointment, and from there on out, it's so easy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I would agree. That I do is just I explain, like, what's going to happen, and that makes them feel a little bit more comfortable. And I always ask if they've had previous, previous experience with pelvic floor physio because yeah. – you just never know what their experience was, if they have had one previously. And just to kind of ask a little bit about that, and maybe what made them uncomfortable in that situation, or, or whatever. But just, I think, knowing what's to come, so that they're not so worried about the unknown, and kind of the, the internal part of the the examination. And it's, you don't always have to do an internal examination on the first assessment, right? It's just something that, it it makes for a more thorough assessment, but if there's certain issues like pelvic pain and you can tell that they're nervous, it's not something that you're going to just dive into. Like that's a very intimate and personal thing. So I think, yeah. I think, sorry, Nadia, building off of that, I think
1: sometimes too, people have this like misconception that it's similar to a doctor's appointment or like if they went say for an ultrasound that was a pelvic internal ultrasound and things are moving quickly and you don't have time with a appointment with a doctor or in an ultrasound to get to know the person and talk to them and explain those things. But in the first physio appointment, you have an hour And so you can move at a pace that might be a little bit more comfortable for them. And maybe like you said, that means not doing an internal on the first day, but it also means the internal portion, if you do do it, isn't rushed.
0: Right. I I always find I've actually said to patients, you know, if we get into a really long subjective history, you know, I do what you do not. I I think we all do. We explain what's going to happen. This is kind of what, what this visit will look like. No guarantees that all that, those things will happen. Um, and I always sort of start my my visit with, um, "Tell me your story." You know, mm-hmm. tell me what 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 brought you into this um, this big blue chair in my office. We have blue chairs in our office, so <laughs> what brought you in in our offices? The best blue chairs, by the way, mm-hmm. <laughs> home sense. Um, so, what, what brought you into this chair? Like, tell me your story, and it. It allows them to open up and, you know, we do a lot of, I do a lot of listening. I mean, I can, I can talk. You girls all know care can talk. (laughs) There is no, no problem there, but it's really listening and letting that person really tell you their story. And sometimes for me, I look at the time and we're 50 minutes into the hour and I will at that point say, you know what, I'm not going to do the, inter- the, the, the objective or physical assessment today because what I find there is so incredibly important to me, I don't want to rush it. And I'll usually send them away with, you know, some type of education or a little bit of homework or something planning that the next time will be the the physical assessment and it's kind of funny sometimes because especially with uh, my male clients a lot of them psych themselves up for that assessment and then when it doesn't happen they're like Mm -hmm. what i gotta wait (laughs) another week before this is gonna happen don't worry but i also feel like they had an hour to get to know me and they know Mm -hmm. you know what's gonna happen you know who i am and, and how i work and create a really comfortable situation
2: I don't think yeah. a patient's
0: ever said,
2: you know, why didn't you do the internal? Like they always thank me for listening to their story and actually paying attention to what they had to say because they often don't get that time with um, their doctor or their OBGYN. So it's kind of it's kind of nice that you can sit and have that time with them. And, you know, they're just always so appreciative for it. So it's it's kind of nice to hear that at the end anyways.
3: Yeah, I think it's also important to say that we don't necessarily always do internal, right? So we don't ever do anything that you're not comfortable with. And so, you know, if it's, you're just not comfortable, if there's a cultural reason or a traumatic reason, we don't have to do an internal. So don't let that hold you back from coming in for treatment because there's so many other things that we can do externally.
0: And remember too, some people are coming to see us because they cannot tolerate internal. So that's why they're there to begin with. So that would never be something that we would address in that first phase of treatment, you know, Mm -hmm. that can take different, different amount of time for for different people. So that is, it's really important, Melissa, like, it's not just about that internal, it is something that we have as an added specialization by being pelvic physiotherapists. We, we, have, we have trained, we have learned, we have been certified to be able to do those things, but it doesn't mean we do it every time. I
1: think also too, it's important to note that if patients aren't comfortable with it right off the bat, like I have some patients that will say to me, can we try a treatment plan without it? And then further down the line, if we feel like we're not getting far enough, we can try it then. And that's a super important Um, thing to note too, because it is something that you can always do further down the line. But like Melissa said, it doesn't stop you from getting treatment. Like there's still so many things that you can try and develop a treatment plan and see how it goes. And then if you need to do it later, you can do it later.
4: Definitely. Well said guys. Um, But in, if we do get to the internal, (laughs) um, I definitely think that most patients I mean, every single one of my patients, at least, has left, you know, with a smile on their face, relieved, and they all say it wasn't bad as I thought, and I think that the biggest reason for that is, and you guys probably all do this too, is I kind of explain everything that I'm doing down there. So, I mean, getting to know one another and explaining everything that I'm doing, uh, the like the things that we're looking for, I directly tell the patient, okay, this is what I'm looking for right now. This is what I'm feeling for. This is exactly what I'm getting the feedback from your body, from your pelvic floor so that they can also relate and they also understand what's going on with them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I do the same thing. I always say before I do anything at all, you will know what I'm going to do.
3: Mm -hmm. So
0: if there's always an explanation and, and important to note too, that a patient at any time, can say, you know what, I'm not feeling good about this. Mm-hmm. And that's the end. So consent is hu- hugely important in what we do. It's important in any type of healthcare, but it's really important in what we do is obtaining that consent and ensuring that we're, um, you know, follow- keeping a patient comfortable. Mm-hmm.
2: So mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in, um, body language too, that's important. So if they're not saying anything and they're not saying that they're uncomfortable, maybe just by the way, you know, their facial reaction is, or just if they're tensed up, um, sometimes I'll just say like, okay, take a few deep breaths. And if they're still like that, then I'm just, I kind of just cut the, the, uh, internal portion short. Cause I, it's just not going to be beneficial for them. It might just do more damage than good. So I just kind of leave it. And then, you know, I just kind of explain to them like, well, you know what, let's do the internal the next time. Um, there's some external things that we can do. So, And that's just how, how I would approach it and how I have been approaching it. And it's
0: usually worked. So that's good. <laughs> that's great, actually. I think, um, so if we kind of go through just what a patient can expect when they come in, I think we've covered it in sort of, you know, nooks and crannies. But I think the best thing to do is um, just to, in, a, in an educative way, just kind of let people know. So they're going to phone the clinic. Um, they'll get a really great explanation on, on the phone about what potentially, potentially will happen in the initial assessment. That's the other thing. We can't really plan ahead. I think everyone would agree, you know, you, you have an idea based on someone's coming in for this and mm-hmm. someone comes in and your idea is completely changed. So, mm-hmm. right, they come into the clinic, um, they come into the office and it's um, obviously it's a very private um, place to be. We've worked really hard to create a really warm and comfortable and cozy area to be, um, you know, and as mentioned, we explain what's going to happen. We move through the assessment at the pace that works for the individual. So our treatment, I think, again, everyone would agree, is very individualized.
4: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Right? We, yeah, we,
0: we, we treat according to that, that person that is in the room with us at that point. Um, follow through for that assessment, whatever that assessment entails. At the end, you know, explain what we found and we suggest a treatment plan. Mm -hmm. And that treatment plan is discussed with our patients always. And, um, you know, I know for me, and I'm sure for all of you, it's, you know, how do you feel about this? Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, what, what, what do you think?
2: Yeah. It's together, like with the patient, it's never me telling them, this is what you have to do. I'm guiding them, but it's never, you know, just barking commands at somebody, which is never helpful for anyone. So, creating a treatment plan together they'll most likely be um kind of with it and they'll actually do the exercises and they'll feel like it's it's mainly their journey i'm just there to guide them right
0: yeah yeah we're empowering them as an individual right yeah um so one of the other things that i thought would be important to share is uh what do we treat And I realize that's a loaded question because, (laughs) and you're going to learn uh, eight different episodes of the things that we treat um, in detail. But, um, you know, what if we all mentioned, let's say three things that we treat and kind of give people an idea of what are they, why would they come to see a pelvic physiotherapist?
2: Um, well, a few of the things that I've seen in my practice is, uh, incontinence is probably a really big one. Um, a lot of us have seen that and it could be stress incontinence, urge incontinence, mixed, um, uh, pelvic pain. So different kinds of pelvic pain, uh, could be related to, uh, painful sex, uh, painful sex after pregnancy. Like there's just different subdivisions of that. It's never really straightforward, um, And another one, we do treat pregnant women, obviously. So strengthening the pelvic floor, even um, labor and delivery prep, that sort of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important for pregnant women and and just
1: people in general, like proactive treatment can sometimes be helpful. Um, So we do treat people proactively. You don't necessarily have to have a problem to come to pelvic physio. You can come, for example, in pregnancy before the baby comes, before you have problems, just to help you prepare for delivery. Um, one, one, One that I think people don't really think a lot of is, you know, chronic or recurrent urinary tract infections. It's something that you can actually see a pelvic physio for,
3: constipation something you can see a
1: pelvic physio for.
3: Something else that I think a lot of people don't realize is even things like low back pain, hip pain, tailbone pain. Those can all be pelvic related and we can help with those, especially if you've been to other practitioners and it's kind of this stubborn pain that isn't going away. It's definitely worthwhile looking at your pelvic floor to see if that could be a contributing factor. hmm
4: Mm -hmm. and there's some of like the more obvious ones that like you know pelvic physio like if you have a prolapse or something like that your gynecologist would recommend you going for pelvic physio but then there's also you know like people who have never even had kids um like athletes a lot of them have you know not necessarily incontinence always but they could have some bladder issues um like laura was mentioning qtis and stuff um it could also be just like frequency, like the amount of times that you're going, right. You shouldn't be going over a certain amount of time, you know, like the five to seven times a day would be normal. If you find yourself going way more often than that, especially if you're an athlete, um, a lot of times people don't know that you could actually go seek pelvic physio help for this.
0: Yeah. And I think people also don't realize that we treat all genders. Um, So I think that is really important. I, um, I do see several males um, for things like um, pre and post prostate or prostatectomy. So prostate cancer, um, erectile dysfunction, uh, Peyronie's disease. Um, there's a number of different um, uh, different signs and symptoms or different um, maladies that are, are specific to those who have a penis. So that is a, a general area that we treat. Um, we also treat children. So our bedwetters and our children who are suffering with constipation, um, those who are having fecal incontinence, which is a leakage of stool, uh, that is a, a large part of, of what we can treat as well. So, So, I mean, that is a number of, you know, 15 at least out of there from the five of us and then there's so many beyond that um, that we can provide help to so i think one of the biggest things is that uh people suffer in silence and the reason for that is that we all know we just don't talk about it and that was sort of um, a premise behind the birth of this podcast was that i wanted to get people talking and i wanted to say it like it is i want people to understand that we need to talk about this and we need to um, stop the whispering. We need to get 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 the word out. So, um, which kind of leads me into my second most often asked question, which is, um, how come I didn't know about you? Ever heard that, girls? <laughs> Someone every time. Uh, how come I didn't know about you? How come my doctor didn't tell me about you? Where have I you been I all my life? You. That's my favorite one. Where have you been all my life? Because I always feel like, well. Wow, <laughs> but people just don't know. And I, my answer is always, it's not for lack of trying again, which supports the birth of this podcast. I'm like, you know what, ladies, we got to get the word out there. We have got to get people talking about their pelvic health, comfortably talking about that part of their body. Mm -hmm.
4: Mm -hmm. And I think especially, um, for male phys- pelvic physiotherapy, I feel like that's even more um, silenced. I know when I talk even, you know, to my husband and friends and stuff, and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, you treat females, this and that. But then when I say, no, you know, males can get this too, they're all in shock, and they're like, oh, whoa, well, why would a guy need that, <laughs> you yeah. know? But that's even, I don't know, I, I think that um, males are more I don't know if they're embarrassed or what it is. If they go see a pelvic physio that they don't want to talk about it. So, you know, that like it's, it's happening. We just need to talk about it. That's what it is. That's all it is.
0: I think, I think what think people there's... forget is that everybody has a pelvic floor. Yeah. No matter what every single human has a pelvic floor. And it, and funny, you should say that Helena, because actually the research, the research shows that even in pelvic therapy, we're the the therapy for males is, is about 30 years behind that of females. So females have always been in the forefront, but the males have kind of been you know pulling up the rear so to speak and uh, that's actually a funny statement so so that you know even just trying to bring it out and in in research which is you know I'm not even talking about people just talking about this on the street I'm talking about like legitimate research mm. it's behind and what I'm seeing come out and I follow um male pelvic health quite closely it is an area that i that i really am am quite passionate about and um just seeing it come to the forefront in the programs that are coming up and you know and i i honestly i don't know if you ladies would agree but my males they they succeed in these programs and i'm pretty sure it's because they don't want to see me so <laughs> they figure if i do everything that she says i never have to see her again So and honestly, like I have such great success, um, you know, with my with my post prostatectomy clients, with my uh, pelvic pain males. You know, I have I've had a few recently who are are cyclists, and you know, if they come in and I say, you know, you got to do this, this, and this, they're so good at it. I have my other theories on that, too, because, you know, mom's got their kids and all these other things to take care of. And dad's, you know, not so much. I got a pelvic issue. I'm going to go exercise now. You take care of everything else. My therapist said I need to do this. So, you know, I think it falls on self-care a little bit, too. But I really do feel like I would agree with you 100 percent, Helena. I feel like we need we need to really get our males talking about this and realize that there's help.
1: I think the other area too is um, pelvic pain. Like I think there's a lot of talk kind of about pregnancy and how that relates to pelvic floor, but I think pelvic pain for males and females is kind of legs a little bit behind that. So that's another area where I think people come in, you know, with endometriosis or PCOS and they don't even realize that there's something they could have done about some of these symptoms without necessarily having to see a doctor.
3: I think a lot of people think about pelvic floor as having a weak pelvic floor and all the things that go along with that, right? Like leaking and things like that. Okay. I need to strengthen my pelvic floor, but a lot of people don't realize that you can be on the other end of that and actually have a tight pelvic floor and you might be experiencing, you know, pelvic pain, or it might be exaggerating your endometriosis symptoms. And we can also help with that.
2: Well, they'll often come in and just be like, I've been doing a million kegels a day, and I'm just <laughs> like,
0: No,
3: <laughs> my oh,
0: famous my statement kegels are not for everyone. Yeah, yeah, but my doctor told me that if I do a hundred kegels, I'm gonna get better, right? And I'm like, No, oh, well, not really.
4: Yeah, one size does not fit all. <laughs>
0: going back to the fact that, you know, we treat the individual. So I actually have um, people contact me and say, you know, I'm going to run a class, um, maybe an elderly class, and I really want to teach them about the pelvic floor, you know, can you can you advise me on how to teach a Kegel? And I will always say, I don't teach a Kegel until I've actually assessed the floor that is learning the Kegel. (laughs) And if that floor is a tight, tight pelvic floor. The last thing I want them to do is sit there trying to draw a blueberry up in their vagina with all (laughs) their might and make it tighter. It just, it,
1: I think also too, there's, I was talking about this with a client today, actually, but I think there's a misconception about doing Kegels. And I don't know if you guys, I always in the assessment ask people to do one so I can see yes, like, what I does do it too. mean to you? Like, what does that mean? And all the time they're like, <sighs> like <clenched> up, <laughs> close their eyes, squeeze their bum as hard as they can. And so I think even just, even if a Kegel is appropriate for you, having someone teach you how to do it, who can give you that hands-on feedback is also quite valuable because I think a lot of times people just don't connect to what their pelvic floor is. And so they don't know how to
3: strengthen it, even if that's what they need. Yeah. Yeah. I've even had people come in and they bear down and do the opposite of a Kegel. Mm -hmm. And that's what they've been practicing and thinking of as a Kegel for however long. Yeah, Yeah. I think Carrie,
4: you should clarify that the blueberry and vagina that you mentioned (laughs) was a cue
0: for the (laughs) Kegel. People might be confused, what you meant by the vagina. It's one of the cues. It's one of the cues for anyone who has a vagina. Uh, That is one of the cues that we do use. So you're right, Helena. Everyone's like, why is she putting a blueberry? in the vagina?
2: What's going on
0: now? Now they're using fruit. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do think that that is accurate that uh, I, I giggled when you said the jaw thing, Laura, because everyone everyone clenches their jaw, Mm -hmm. um, and it's and there actually is a little fun fact: there is a correlation between the jaw and the pelvic floor, as we all know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So they're not that far off when they're doing that, uh, Mm -hmm. but it usually isn't really helping the cause. So Mm -hmm. and everybody thinks that bigger is better, right? So if I if I give her a bigger contraction. I'm going to impress her with this contraction. And it's like a full body convulsion (laughs) to be honest. And I always tell my patients when we do that, the pelvic floor doesn't work at all. It's got, it's shut off. It's the little person. It's going to let all the big stuff do the work. So um, yeah, I think so education, this just, you know, supports another thing that we are really, really good at. And, and and that's education, you know, providing education to our clients. Um, We all have, oodles and oodles and oodles of textbooks and handouts. And, you know, I know for me, um, that's one of the the roles that I love the most about being a pelvic physio is being a teacher. Mm-hmm.
1: And it's, I think of, it's one of the most valuable things that you can give someone is yeah. education.
2: Well, and it's surprising to me sometimes when even just like the simplest basic thing of breathing or um, just teaching them how to actually relax into their pelvic floor and using their diaphragm. And they start to realize like, oh, I've been breathing like this for a very long time with my chest, not my diaphragm and just always constricting. And that's kind of like, they're always surprised to see that, oh, I can actually use my diaphragm and fully relax into my pelvic floor. And they've never been taught that before. So it's really cool to see the light bulb go off Mm -hmm. And and, Yeah.
1: I think even to like simple things like, you know, bladder habits, I had a client who's been using pads for 20 years, just changed a few bladder habits. And she was like, why didn't I learn this before? And I'm like, we're trying. (laughs) Listen
0: to our podcast. (laughs) Yeah. We're trying to get the (laughs) info
1: out there, but sometimes that's all they need is just, you know, some education and, and you can change a lifelong habit and symptoms. Yeah.
0: And and quite easily, to be honest, mm-hmm. like we can have people come back in a couple of weeks and mm-hmm. have reduced, you know, fifteen visits to the bathroom down to six visits to the bathroom, and that is huge success. We, mm-hmm. you know, I know you guys hear me in my office. We celebrate every success mm-hmm. that we have, and if it's even, you know, the reduction of three visits to the bathroom, that's big success because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you don't have that much time to spend in the bathroom. Yeah. So, and I think the other thing. Go ahead. Sorry, Nad. Um,
2: no, I was just gonna say how it just affects their quality of life. So their whole, you know, whatever twenty years or whatever, they've pretty much their entire life has been surrounding around a bathroom and trying to find a bathroom, and you know, maybe reducing the amount of physical activity that that they're doing or not going for that walk because they just feel like they may have too much urgency and they might have to go in the bushes. So to to go from you know going fifteen times a day to reducing it to to or six times that is huge for someone because their whole, like most of their life, they've just been thinking about going to the bathroom and what they're going to do next and how they're going to get to a toilet. So it is definitely life-changing pretty much.
1: I think it's interesting just as a building off what Nadia said um, with COVID, I think that that has gotten worse for a lot of people because public washrooms are just not accessible.
4: I was literally just going to say that. <laughs> yeah,
1: so people are just so terrified to leave their house because they're pretty, if if you're a bathroom person, you know that you've probably mapped out what grocery <laughs> stores and Costco and where you can go to a public bathroom. And now with COVID, it's really hard. And so giving people that liberation, especially this year, is a big
0: deal. Mm -hmm. I also think too, just to throw out there while we're kind of on that topic is we've kind of talked a lot about the pelvic floor and we've mentioned the diaphragm and all of the parts of the body. And uh, although that is a large part of our treatment, we also do involve, you know, what we often will refer to as a biopsychosocial model. You know, there's a lot of um, psychological things that go on. There's social things that are involved. So it's not just about the body. There's oftentimes a lot of other things that go with that. And I think sometimes people don't realize that. I think they think we just we just work on the floor. It's just the floor, and that's it. And um, I think there's so much more to pelvic physio. And throughout the this, the episodes, people will learn that I think a little bit more about what is directly involved. And yeah, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to ask you guys. I. I I know there's a lot of things out there that you hear in your office and that I hear in my office about, you know, some common myths and misconceptions about pelvic floor physio. Um, Anybody off the top of their head have anything that might be um, that might come up often about a myth or a misconception about what we do? I know for me, a lot of people think that I only treat pregnant women.
4: Mm -hmm. Um, I think
0: that's a big one. Yeah, like there's so much, even I, you guys have probably noticed, um, everyone has probably noticed in on social media, there's a big push around pregnancy and pelvic health. And it's awesome. It is really awesome. And I think it's such a fabulous, incredible part of what we do. But it is a part of what we do. And um, yeah, so any anybody have, have any other, you know, common myths or things that they hear?
3: Well, to build off of that, I've also
0: had people coming in thinking that
3: we only treat postpartum women, and that we don't treat women during pregnancy. And so they wait until afterwards to come in. And there's so much that we can do during pregnancy, whether it's just preventative, or if there's any issues that you're having, um, or even just, you know, taking a look and assessing your pelvic floor before labor and delivery, so that we can kind of compare to afterwards. So we treat both Pregnant and postpartum women. Yeah, Perfect, yeah.
2: I kind of compare it to just like an orthopedic physio prior to going in for surgery or having a hip replacement, you're doing prehab. So it's kind of similar to um, like during pregnancy and versus postpartum, like you still want to go in pre-pregnancy just to um, assess the pelvic floor and just see if there's any dysfunction or if there's anything else that you can work on during pregnancy. Um, And it's just a good comparison for afterwards, right? Because at least you've assessed them and now you know um, kind of what their baseline condition was and then kind of go from there postpartum.
0: I think prehab too plays a really important role in something like um, a male who's going to have a prostatectomy. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. seeing them before they actually go in for the surgery, and really working hard on that pelvic floor. um, So and and again, the education portion, I find that, um, and we'll talk a little bit about this in our episode on male pelvic physio, but When they hear that word cancer, um, it's a scary word, and they shut down and they don't hear the other things that go along with the explanation. So being able to bring someone into the office, again, spend an hour with them, letting them know, you know what, you might have incontinence, you might have difficulties with um, erectile dysfunction, you know, sort of that education portion that goes with it. I love, love seeing a male before the surgery. Um, I just feel like they come out of that surgery empowered and educated and, you know, the recovery is, is so much better.
1: Mm-hmm. I think the other one too, like prehab wise, kind of building off those two subjects is uh, prolapse surgeries. It can be really important to see a physio either before or after a prolapse repair. I think there's kind of a misconception that once you've gotten to the point of a prolapse repair, you don't need pelvic physio anymore because the sling just fixes the problem. But it's important to address some of the things that might cause might have caused the prolapse in the first place like constipation or breath management and all that kind of stuff. So it just doesn't it doesn't just have to be in the early stages of a prolapse. It can be further after the surgery, or even when you know you're going in for surgery.
2: Yeah. I think that's the same with uh, using a pessary as well, right? So
4: mm-hmm.
2: when you do have a pessary inserted um, to help with the prolapse, you can still do some of the pelvic floor exercises afterwards. And um, often like that, they may just think like, oh, well the pessary or the surgery, so I don't need to necessarily continue with that, but it's still an important thing to, to continue to do.
0: So just for those who are still su- stuck on the blueberry that was going in the vagina, a pessary is a device that is inserted into the vagina that can help hold a prolapsed organ in place. So um, yeah, just, just to clarify, they not <laughs> such a great word, pessary, I mean, <laughs> but I try not to use them. I'll be honest. The other thing just to to play off on that is do you, do you need surgery? You know, mm-hmm. could, could conservative, treatment help you? You know, everyone assumes that if they have a prolapse, well, they need a surgical intervention. So if it's coming down, there's got to be a way surgically to put it back up. But what if you could use your own body to put it back up and forgo all of the potential complications and healing and, and the simple fact of having to go under, you know, anesthesia for a surgical intervention, when maybe if you worked really hard on your pelvic floor with your pelvic physio, you might not need that surgery at all. So I think that's another misconception that's out there yeah absolutely and just,
4: sorry Laura I was just going to go off of that the conservative um, management piece I had a couple of patients coming in and telling me that you know they have urinary incontinence and when they went to their doctor the first thing their doctor said was do you want some pills for that so that just goes back to like you know, there's a, there's something else you can do. Pelvic physiotherapy. Let's try that first. If that doesn't really work. Okay. Then let's try something else. Just like that, um, surgery that you were talking about, Carrie. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: You know what I
1: would love if they, sorry, Melissa, you go Go ahead. I was just going to say, I would love if they would put one of those PSAs after those like always incontinence pad commercials drives me
3: nuts. (laughs) Yep. So true. (laughs) Melissa, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that it's maybe not a misconception about pelvic physio, but about pelvic conditions and that people think that a lot of them are just normal things that happen, whether it's postpartum or with aging, right? So people will say like, oh, you had a baby, so now you pee when you laugh, or you can't jump on a trampoline, or yeah, you have pain with your period, that's normal, or you have pain with intercourse, that's normal, right? None of these things are normal. And I think a lot of people think that way. And probably they're they're common. common. Yes, that's what (laughs) we all say,
0: right? They're common, but not normal, right?
1: I saw a Mother's Day card this weekend that said, "Get your mom a nice gift. She's you're the reason she pees when she coughs." <laughs> and I'm like, send her to
0: pelvic physio. Maybe that should be your gift. <laughs> Can we put that underneath in there? Yeah. <laughs> Like you said, the same the same thing about you know the the always commercials um, and it's like they they glamorize leakage right? Mm-hmm. Like, Let's all put our pads in and go to the bar and which you know you don't want you don't have to it doesn't have to be that way. And um, going back to what you said, Melissa, and what we all always say, you know, it is really common, but it's not normal. I have patients say to say that to me. You know, well, I just thought it was normal that I peed my pants, and I'm like, think about what you just said.
2: You know, mm-hmm. let's let's
0: repeat that together. And then they think, oh right, like peeing my pants isn't normal. No,
2: no. Or will you know. be like I, I just pee or I leak the normal amount. Yeah. What is the normal (laughs)
3: amount? Like, it should be that. (laughs) Or
4: or a lot of times, I have postpartum women come in for something else, like either painful intercourse or whatever else it is, and they don't even mention the leaking. And then throughout the assessment, while we're talking, I would ask, "Oh, do you ever have any leaking?" And they're like, "Oh, yeah, but you know, just the typical, the normal amount. I had a baby." I'm like, "Oh." Mm. (laughs) okay well
1: that's also an issue (laughs) the other one I find too is sometimes um with postpartum moms I think this one's especially common is that you might be working on leaking and and also something like painful intercourse and then they come back and you ask them so how are things going are you still having pain with intercourse and they're like yeah a little but it's fine it's not that bad and it's like well how about none (laughs) how about no pain
0: yeah, intercourse should never be painful. You know, urine should never leave your body in an unwanted fashion. It, it like it's it's a it's a it's a baseline of zero. Mm-hmm. And um, I think as a society, and I think probably because of these things that we talk about, where you know they glorify the products and and those types of things that people have just assumed. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the TV says it's normal that you could buy these great things for it to happen, and you know, sometimes that makes me sad. And I'm, or I don't know if it's sad or mad or what it is, but I'm like, no, it's not right. (laughs) So which drive, which fuels me to even talk about things more because, you know, my poor kids, like they, it never stops. I mean, this is actually a fun fact, funny fact, Carly was talking with her teacher about, um, in a phys ed class about, um, sex education. And the teacher was asking everybody, you know, have you had that talk with your parents? And, and, um, that you know they answered yes or no and you know where did that talk happen and carly's like oh that happened at my kitchen table like every night (laughs) (laughs) because this is i want my girls to grow up knowing their body and you know i think that is so incredibly important so even when i do have a patient who um you know whether it's a mom or a grandma or or a dad or anybody i always you know we i get on that topic of you know, we spend so much time talking to each other because we're, we're, we're in a close intimate relationship. So we talk a lot about family. I share everything. Um, and I, I always, you know, talk about the fact that I want my kids to be really comfortable and know these things with the hope that that will then translate. Right.
4: Mm-hmm. But sometimes I find that people, you know, past generations, they thought this was normal and they've passed it on to their kids saying that it's normal. So a lot of times people would come in and say, yeah, I have this problem, but you know, my mom and my grandma, they all had it and now I have it and it's just normal. So it's been passed down, but they all thought it was normal.
0: Yep. Yep. So that's where we hit the pause button. Right. And we say, okay, it's not normal. So let's, let's get this fixed up and let's make sure that you understand so that you can educate as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay, so um, I think we're, we're getting close to the end of the episode already, ladies, which was that went fast. That was I hope, fast. Everyone's, uh, I hope <laughs> everyone's enjoying um, the things that we're talking about. I think that I just uh, want to finish up with uh, a little bit more um, introduction of you guys. So just maybe we could um, take a couple minutes each to just let everybody know why why do you do this? Why have you chosen not the podcast, you're doing the podcast. because I made you all do. It. That's not true. But I offered. Um, but why why do you do this? why Why have you chosen this as a career?
3: Who I wants to go first? Melissa, me? you go first? Yeah, I think for me, I still work in orthopedic physio, which is what people would think of as regular physio, but treating pelvic health conditions is so much more, life-changing for people than treating their ankle or their knee or their wrist. Right. A lot of these people have been suffering with these conditions, whether it's diagnosed or undiagnosed for so long and just being able to give somebody a little bit of help in their journey with that condition can be life-changing for them and life-changing for me. Awesome. Laura. Um,
1: Yeah, so like I kind of mentioned just briefly in the intro, I had been on my own kind of pelvic health journey when I discovered pelvic physio, I started having stress incontinence, which I guess is coming in a future episode. But for those of you don't know, that's leaking with something like exercise. So that started happening to me when I was in grade 12. And um, I didn't know that it wasn't normal but it wasn't something that like when you're 17, you're not going to go to your friends and be like, I just peed a little when I skipped is like, is that happening to you guys? So um, when I realized in physio school, that it was something that was treatable with something like physio, I was pretty mind blown. And I see that all the time with, with patients that it just blows their mind that they could do something about this. And so I know what it's like to be on the other side, and that's really why I decided to pursue this as a career, because I just want to be able to educate people and help people so that they don't have problems or they, they don't realize that they ha- they don't have to live with it, basically.
0: Awesome. Helena?
4: Um Oh, let's see. I want to be part of the <laughs> Um, Honestly, I, so like I said, I found out about pelvic physiotherapy while I was in school and that was three years ago. Carrie, um, you said you've been doing this for 14 years. So obviously it's been around, um, but I didn't know about it. And so many people don't know about it, but the more research that I did into it, that I, that I did and that I you know, I I was looking at what other countries are doing around the world and pelvic physiotherapy in other countries, like especially in Europe, has just been around for so much longer. And some of those people um, just get treated and help a lot more quickly than they do here, I think. And I'm just happy to be kind of part of this movement here in Ontario and Canada. And I want to help people be part of the change and just, you know, help, like Laura said, help them through these conditions that maybe they've dealt with their entire lives, you know, 20 years plus. Um, yeah. So I just really
2: enjoy that part of it. Awesome. What about you, Nats? Um, I think for me it's, uh, and just kind of going off what Melissa said, like the, just seeing the change in their quality of life and how much they, like how much relief they get from the help that they're getting. And they're so appreciative for it. And um, you learn a lot from your patients. Like if You listen to their stories and you connect with them. And it's such an intimate setting that it's, you, it's, it's inevitable. You're going to have uh, an intimate relationship with that person and share certain things on, on both ends. Right. And so just to be able to learn their story and getting that connection and being able to help them so that they can actually move forward with their lives. That's pretty incredible. And every day, I'm so grateful that I actually have an opportunity to connect with someone in that way. Cause not everybody has that connection, um, with people, especially right now. Right. And I think a lot of people are longing for that during COVID times for sure. And so just helping in any way that I can to, to make their lives a little bit better. And they don't know this, but they definitely changed my life. They, like I learned from them too. So it kind of mm-hmm. goes both ways and it's not just, you know, you telling them what to do. It's like, It's definitely a process and it's a journey for the both of us. So I really, that's something that I I really enjoy and that I'm super grateful for.
0: I kind of feed off that a little bit too. I find that um, my cup is filled every day. Mm -hmm. So even if it's a a day where I'm struggling and I'm trying to, um, you know, you're having one of those days and I spend time with my patients and my cup is so full And like you said, I feel I'm so grateful to be able to do this job. I've been a physiotherapist for almost 25 years and I still love going to work every day. And I still love um, the interaction that I have with people. And same thing. I I get a real great feeling when someone Mm -hmm. is is healed and someone is is Mm -hmm. feeling better. And it's just, you know, it's. It, they, they've succeeded. So they've had success. And I feel like I've had success. And together, we've we've traveled a successful journey. And really, I mean, there isn't much that better than that. It, it, you know, so, so I think that um, I know that I'm grateful for all of you. I am so proud of our incredible team um i just i i thank god for you guys every day so that's that's i just had to say that um yeah so we're coming to a wrap so yeah we're grateful for you to care thanks guys <laughs> thanks guys well, and this is, i think this is going to be a really fun journey together and i think people are really going to enjoy um you know we're bringing together five personalities five different personalities and i'm excited i'm really excited to see where this goes so um This is, yeah, we're going to wrap this evening, ladies. So thank you for your help bringing pelvic physiotherapy to the forefront. Um, Next episode, we will be talking about leakage and incontinence. Um, So everyone tune in for that. And um, if you are looking to follow us, you can follow us on um, Instagram at Tales from the Floor and on Facebook at Tales from the Floor. And obviously at a body in motion rehab, we will be um, letting you know all about future episodes and things to come. And as always, if anyone has any input, we welcome any advice you might have. If you have questions that you want answered, if there's something that you'd like to hear us talk about, we would love to have that feedback so you can reach us at any of those places. So everyone, um, Have a wonderful day, night, morning, run, workout, whatever it is you're doing. Drive in the car while you're listening to us. um, And we'll look forward to seeing you in a week's time. Take care, everyone.
4: Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.
0: (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning into the Tales from the Floor podcast. And we hope that our tales have inspired you in some way. Please remember that the information provided in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. We recommend that you invite a pelvic physiotherapist into your personal healthcare team. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend. Let's see how many people can find their voice to tell their tale. Leave a rating on iTunes and don't forget to follow us at A Body in Motion Rehab. Thanks for listening and for doing your part to help us stop the whispering.